Good morning. It's good to be here this morning to lead in prayer and to bring the message as well. When I told somebody that I was going to be preaching at Ivanrest, the person said to me, well, I thought you weren't preaching anymore. And I guess I've said that on occasion. And our kids don't even believe us in me anymore. They just say, yeah, Dad, right, when I tell them that I'm not preaching anymore. But anyway, I am here this morning, and I'm glad to be here as well. Before we pray, I just want to mention that... Uh, Reverend John DeVries, who was with uh, Bibles for India or Mission India, had a stroke while he was in Florida. And some of you know John, I'm sure, have supported him. And uh, he preached here just last fall. But anyway, he had a stroke in Florida and was flown on a private jet. He's at Spectrum Butterworth right now, where he is hopefully improving. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you've given us this day, but you give us a Sunday when we can just sort of back off from our everyday routine, spend some time with family or friends, or just be by ourselves. And we thank you too that, that we're living in a community and country where we can just come to church. We don't have to think about anything. There's nobody persecuting us and we have all the freedom that we would possibly want and we thank you for that and it makes us think of so many people that that can't do that that can't come to church that are not free that if they did they might endanger their lives and so we ask oh god that the freedom that we have to worship and to speak out that those freedoms may be given throughout the world as well we thank you for the people who are here the young people, the boys and girls, young adults, and we ask that you will be with them as they are trying to to look at their lives and, and try to determine where you would want them to be. And we just pray, Lord, that they may find the guidance they need through counselors, through teachers, through parents, through youth leaders, and in other ways, too, that they may ask those questions, what you would want them to do with their lives. And Lord, we thank you with those who already know what they want to do, who've already discovered where you want them to be. We pray that this morning through the message, you will speak to them also. And then, Lord, we pray for those who are in the thick of life, who have a heavy career, profession, or running a business, have a family, children, and who find themselves pressured, trying to do right for everybody and sometimes not quite knowing where to turn next. So we ask, Lord, that you will speak to them also, that they may also sit back and, and ask the question, am I going through life unthinkingly or carelessly? Do I really want to do what the Master wants me to do? We pray for those who are really struggling, people that have to give, give care to someone who's sick in their family day after day and week after week. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will give them special grace. But we also ask, Lord, that the eyes of those of us who are healthy may be open, that we may be there for them and keep us from, from rushing past people that, that really have great needs and forgive us for the times we've done just that. And then, Lord, we also thank you with those who are retired for years of retirement, for times to step back and, and relax and still have many opportunities to, to serve you in your kingdom, and we ask that the message may also reach them. We thank you for the Ivermouth Church, 
We thank you for the way in which it's trying to discern your will for the next chapter or for the future. We ask that tonight's meeting, Lord, will really be helpful and, and meaningful too so that, that the team may be able to come up with certain things of what needs to be done, what's good, what's perhaps not quite as good. And so we, we pray for your Holy Spirit on those meetings and help us, Father, help all of us as we find ourselves in different places during the week that we may represent not just the church, but that we may represent the kingdom of God. And Father, you know how much is going on every place in the Middle East, in Africa, in so many other parts where some of the the most awful atrocities are being committed. And we just pray that you will deliver us from the evil one and that you will deliver the people who are living in those areas also deliver them. Give wisdom to, to our president and to Congress so that they may somehow come together and, and have, a, have a plan and a strategy that will help not just the United States, but that will make life better and easier. And we thank you that in spite of everything that's happening, that we know that you are in charge. We don't understand a lot of things. We don't know why things are happening, but we know that, that you are in control. And we pray too, Lord, that as we worship this morning, that some of the songs, some of the prayers, some of the music we've heard or or the message may somehow reach us so that we leave here thinking about what the Lord God has in mind for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When Tony called me towards the end of December, if I would be willing to to preach here on February 8, he also told me that he was planning to do this short series on, on life apps. And he said, if I wanted to do one of those, then I could do the last one. I think this is the last one, right, Tony? Then I could do the last one, which would be on time slash busyness. And so I said I would do that, but, you know, after I'd agreed, and that's often how it goes after you agree to do something, then you say, why did I say yes? Anyway, I'm thinking, how could an old retired guy who's been retired for 14 years know anything about being busy? I mean, really, I have all kinds of time. So what do I know about being busy? Well, then I had this idea that I was going to do an extensive survey. Well, it wasn't really that extensive. Eight people. Uh, pretty good. We got some pretty good answers to that, though. It was amazing. They're, they're in the thick of life. They're busy. They have careers, both husband and wife. Careers. They have a family. They have all kinds of extracurricular things going. And so some of the thoughts that they expressed are printed on the inserts in your bulletin. And I hope that you don't necessarily have to read them now, although, of course, you can. But, um, but you, you, you should, hopefully you take those home and, and just um, read those and reread those. The text for, from, for this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Christians in the city of Ephesus, Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 16. And this is what he writes. I hope that that you'll memorize this, or if you don't memorize, put it on a three-by-five card and put it on your refrigerator. Paul says, 
Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And I've also printed the uh, paraphrase from Eugene Peterson's message, who writes, So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure that you understand what the master wants. That's what Paul is saying to these first century Christians living in the city of Ephesus. And you know, sometimes certain things are so much easier said than done. And some things sound so good on paper, but then when you try to work them out in practice, they don't always fit. Here Paul tells us not to go through life unthinkingly or carelessly, always trying to understand what the master of the Lord wants. Well, we're busy people. At least many of you are. You're busy people. And so sometimes you rush through life and you don't always think about what would God want me to do today or this week or next month. And you sort of forget about that. It's very easy to do that. Besides, what would Paul know about life in the 21st century? I mean, he never heard of social media, didn't know anything about a cell phone or iPhone or smartphone, didn't know how, didn't know how to text any more than I do. He, he just wouldn't have known any of those things. So what would he know about business? He never had to catch a flight, never had to rush kids here and there because he was a single man. So all of the things that so many families today are caught up in, in that busyness of life, he knew nothing about. But you know, he may not have known about life of today. Because if Paul was here, if Paul could spend some time in the 21st century, I mean, his eyes would probably pop out. And he'd say, what's this? What has happened? None of those things were in any way even remotely familiar. But you see, Paul didn't know about pressure. And if you want to know about the kind of pressure that the Apostle Paul, who wrote these verses, was under, you'll have to turn to 2 Corinthians 11 sometimes. And then you will find how Paul, probably more than any human being, had pressures coming at him from every direction because he was a Christian. All the things that happened, read those things sometime this coming week, and you'll understand that, yes, Paul knew what he was talking about. And Paul also, of course, knew how easy it is for people to drift through life, how easy it is to, to live carelessly or unthinkingly. And so even though many of you are busy people, probably, probably busier than you want to be, we need to sit back this morning and just listen very closely and carefully what Paul is saying. No, not to come up with a set formula, because there is no set formula. One size does not fit all. Not to send anyone on a guilt trip so that you look at yourself and you say, I blew it. No, that's not the reason. But to simply stop on this Sunday and into this coming week and say, okay, do I really understand and do I want to understand what God wants for me? And do I really 
put first things first. That's what Paul is talking about. And that's what he wants us to do. You see, time is a gift from God. The time that we have here on earth is given to us by God, and God determines the exact number of the days that we are going to live here on earth. Not one day more, not one day less. Some years ago, someone was saying that the average lifespan in the United States was 25,550 days. That's 70 years. I, I think it's gone up because I heard on television this week that in Arizona, maybe because that's a healthy state, I don't know, but in Arizona, the average lifespan now is 79. Whatever the case, some people get a lot less than the average. Just this past week, a member of the Haven Church in Zealand, 15 years old, died unexpectedly. He only had 5,500 days. And several of us here this morning are already way past the average. I'm almost up to 29,000 days. I won't tell you how many that is in years because you might think that I'm old. So I don't want to say that. The fact of the matter is because of that, Paul says, and that's how he pulls it together, don't drift through life. Don't live carelessly or unthinkingly. And that's easy to do. Especially when you're young. When you're in high school or you're in college or you're in between, it's very easy to sort of drift through life and go from one thing to the next because, well, you don't always think about what God wants. You want to enjoy life and you should enjoy life and you want to basically do what you want to do. And so that thought for some comes much later. That's what happened to me. I drifted through life for at least five years after I got out of high school. For five years, I did exactly what I wanted to do. Didn't ask any questions. Nobody talked to me about, did I ever think about what God might want me to do with my life? Nothing. Five years. I, I drifted from one job to the next. I had an office job for two years. Then I worked on a dairy. I drove truck. I did... Uh, construction, so a really impressive resume. And I didn't just drift from job to job. I drifted from country to country. I was in the Netherlands, and I went to Canada. But I wasn't so crazy about Canada, so I went back to the Netherlands. But then I didn't like the Netherlands anymore either, so I came to the United States. That's how I lived my life for five years. But then I hit a snag. I was drafted. And for two years, I wasn't free at all. For two years, I was told what to wear, what to eat, when to go to sleep, and when to wake up. And in one week at one time, the lieutenant had me go back for a haircut three times because he didn't like the way it was cut. Good thing he can't see me now. That's the kind of life. And, you know, it made me think that maybe it wasn't all about me. It made me think that maybe, maybe I had to start some thinking. Maybe it wasn't, life wasn't just drifting or flitting from one place to the next. And so after I got out at age 23, I enrolled in college. So if that's where you are, you're in high school, 
or you're in college, or you're in between, don't follow my example. Take some time to talk to some people. Talk to a counselor at school. Talk to your parents. Talk to a teacher. Talk to someone at church or a youth leader. And somehow ask yourself the question, what kind of gifts has God entrusted to me? What am I good at? Where do do I think God would want me to go? What should I do with my life? That doesn't mean that you're going to get the answer immediately. I'm told that, that... Quite a few freshmen in college still don't know what their major is going to be. So that's okay. But at least step back and ask yourself the question, what open doors are there? What doors are closed? And I'm convinced. In fact, that's been my experience. That when we become serious about wanting to be where God wants us to be, and we ask different people, and we ask the Lord to show us, that God always gets us where he wants us. I like that phrase. I've used that, I don't know, probably millions of times. But that God always gets us where he wants us if we become serious about asking what God wants us to do. And when we try to understand God's will. And then, of course, there is that time where life becomes more serious. You know, you, you've chosen a career and you want to give it all you've got. And then maybe on top of it, you get married, you have children, and then the pressure begins. Because then you've got to strike some kind of balance. And you want to do what's right for your family, but you also want to make the most of your career or business or profession. And, and there you're sort of caught in between. And sometimes you get so busy with your career, and you have to be busy. I I think that at a certain time in our life, we should be as busy as we can be. But in our busyness, we still have to ask, what comes first? And where should I say no? And so we need to try to figure that out because it's easy to let your career overtake everything. Some marriages have gone wrong because, because... One of the persons was so intent on making the most in that career that that they rushed right past the family. They didn't have time to talk to the Lord. And and it's easily done. When I first started out in ministry in our, our first congregation, I was really quite impressed with my own importance. And I really felt that I, I had to do the right thing. And, and, and so the church that we came to before we came had a building program going and about 12 families left. So when I came, I just was sure that I could fix things up. Why not? So almost every evening, I would go with an elder to call on those people to try them, to get them to come back. Until one Friday evening, someone close to me said, with tears in her eyes, she said, you're even going out tonight? And it was ridiculous. It really was. But it was a wake-up call for me. It was a wake-up call that said, you know what? You have to balance your life. You, you have, have, have a family. And you've got to somehow work that out. And I think that over the years, I've learned to do that. So that's the career that sometimes gets in the way. Not that you don't give it the best you've got. And sometimes the career takes up the time away from family. That can be helped. There are always those times. And then, of course, there is the social media. Now, I think that the social media is a gift. 
I mean, people now can get work done while they're traveling. You can always stay in touch. You can see each other on Skype. You can text. You can do all of those things. And I think that in many ways, for lots of people, especially those of you who are younger than I am, for a lot of people, life's become easier. Much easier because of that. And, and I think we should be thankful for those inventions and, and, and use them. But you see, the social media can also become a complicating factor. It can become an addiction. We, we just came back from the Netherlands in December. And, and I just love to watch people on the airplane. And it's, it's almost fascinating because the moment that seatbelt sign goes off, people pop up out of their seats. And you know what they have first in their hand? Well, you know, phone. They're either texting or talking. Because can you imagine what would happen if they didn't get, get the latest text before they get on the concourse? I mean, that'd just be too radical. That'd be, that'd be drastic. And, and, and after our Christmas Eve get-together at our house, in our house, we, we don't like texting so much. We like to talk. But anyway, right afterwards, two teenage girls walking behind each other as soon as they got outside in the dark on the driveway on their way to the van. Busy, busy texting because what if, what if somebody was trying to text them and they didn't get it? Can you imagine the horror of that? I mean, come on. And then two weeks ago, we, were, we had a meeting at Paneer Brit. Some ministers were meeting there. And right next to us, was a table, four people, and all four were busy texting. Now, I think they were probably texting each other, which at least, <laughs> which at least made sense. But so how we use the social media, I, I think those are things to think about as families. But, but, but don't, remember, don't forget that I did say that I think they're awesome. I wish I, I could use them better. I, my thumbs are too big for texting. I've only sent one text in my life just saying, okay. That's all, that's all that I could manage. But it's time, I think, for couples that are in the thick of it to sit back. Not to give each other rules or ultimatums, but to just say, okay, how about it? Do we, do we put first things first? Are we willing to say no to certain things? Because that's crucially important. I, I used to guilt people into accepting a job in the church. And, and fortunately, the Lord opened my eyes that, that that's ridiculous. That, that, that sometimes people have to say no and sometimes people should not even be asked. Because sometimes we get more involved with things outside our family. I remember I was, uh, I, were, I was carry out too. That's another part of my resume. Carry out when I was in school, groceries in a grocery store. And, uh, and I worked with a, with a minister's daughter. And, and, and she said to me when she heard that I was, wanted to be a minister and that I was dating, she told me that ministers had no business being married. Because she said, my dad has time for everybody else, but he has no time for us. An elder in California who was my mentor, he never 
thought he was, but he was. He was a dairyman, and we'd go out for lunch regularly. And I, I learned so much from him. But he said once that the only regret that he had was that, that he didn't spend more time with his family. He was on everything. Anytime he was asked finance campaign or board or, or church council, he accepted it. And he said he regretted that because he'd left a lot of work up to his, to his wife, which was not right. And someone else wrote in, in, in that survey that a statement, I don't know who made it, that, that at the end of life, nobody regrets not having worked enough, but a lot of people regret not having spent enough time with their family. So if you are in the thick of life, don't beat up on yourself. Don't go on a guilt trip. But, 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 but talk about it. If you're married, if you have a spouse, talk about it. Or else have some, a friend hold you accountable. Because there are so many important things to do. There may also be people in your life that you know about that need your help, that, that, that need you to come, and, and, and you're so busy and you can't do it. You know, we, we, we need, I think... And I'm talking about myself now. I think we, we neglect a lot of people because we pretend to be so busy. And we're really not that busy because God gives us enough time to get done what needs to be done. But, but you know, I, I've told this thing before here, I think a couple of years ago, when I last preached here about the Holland Rescue Mission. <clears throat> and I hope you don't mind uh, that I'm telling it again if you've heard it. But, but, you know, we lived in Holland for seven years. I had a church there. And not once during the seven years that I was a minister in that church did we ever go to that mission in Holland, never took any people there to try to get them involved. Now we go, that's not a big deal, that's way too late. We go every Friday to serve lunch, but that's, that's not the point. The point I'm trying to make that if you had asked me during those seven years, well, have you been at the mission and, and why not, I probably would have come up with a lame excuse that I was too busy. Well, I've got this congregation. What are you talking about? But you know what? I wasn't too busy. I could have been. It's a shame that I didn't. And, and, and that's, that's the point that we need to get across, that we can't rush past people, people that need us. There are people that are shut in that hardly ever see anybody. I sometimes go see someone who, who has MS, and hardly anyone from the church ever comes to see him. And there are people that are struggling with illness every day that need to be relieved. And some of you do that. Some of you know exactly who needs the help. And we've got to, that's part of our calling. That's this whole thing about doing what the master wants us to do. And then, of course, you get those years of retirement, the retirees. And, and, and I think, and, and that's been my experience, that during my 14 years of retirement, been able to back off, relax, do things that I was not able to do before, and still be involved in some ways. And it's, for us, it's been a beautiful 14 years. I, I can't really think of anyone that has had a more special retirement than, 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 than we've had. But at the same time, even though I'm saying we, we can relax, we can back off, retired people also have to ask themselves, am I making the most of my time? And, and you know, it's amazing to see and fascinating to see how many 
retirees in our communities, in the Reformed and Christian Reformed community, give hours of their time and are willing to drive miles to, to use the gifts that God has given to them. Some years ago, I, I was asked to do a four-day devotional for um, what was then CRWRC. It's World Renew now, as you probably know. But anyway, at, at Fairhaven Ministries. And, and I think there were at least four to 500 volunteers there from Canada and the United States. And, and, and that was only a small portion. But just to think that these people are willing to go any place, do anything, use the, the gifts that they've, that they've had, their, their skills, and then work for people that need their help. And I, I think it's, it's amazing. And if you have your eyes open, you must have seen retirees in almost every place that you go to, like the, the second Twice Nice here and, and Ditto in Holland and all those, those many other places, or prison ministry, the Bible correspondence thing. It, it, it's phenomenal, and I, I think it's just awesome. And, and maybe the time comes where you can't do that any longer physically, but you can, still, you can still pray. There are people who don't get out of the house anymore but tell me that they spend time just praying for the people that they know need help. And that's how they make the most of every opportunity. Or send a card or a note. And some of you, some of you are retired, and I don't know if there are retirees here. They might have all been at the first service. But, but some, of you, some of you have resources, financial resources, and maybe you can't get out. Maybe you can't do anything physical. You have to then make the opportunity to help some people with your resources, a single parent or someone who's, who's homeless, or someone who can't make ends meet. Maybe it's your kids that need your help. You can't. You can't just keep the time or your resources to yourself. That's a shame. Can't do it. Because we've got to give account for all the things that God gives to us. But when it's all said and done, and I've already said, when it's all said and done, what really Paul wants to get across is that we have to try to discover God's will for our lives. Whatever age you are, you have to ask, what does God want? You look at yourself, you look at your situation, you look at what you're good at, you look at what doors are open, what doors are closed, and then you say, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. But that takes time spending with the Lord. And I know you've heard this all your life, how important it is to talk to the Lord, to let him talk to you. But it's not a cliche. You can't make it through life without talking to the Lord. And you will not know where God wants you if you don't talk to him or listen to him. And you won't have peace of mind. Someone wrote in that survey, said that, I need peace in my life because sometimes life in our home gets pretty chaotic and I need peace. So sometimes I get up a half an hour early all by myself and I just think and I try to listen and I talk to God. And someone else said that, 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 that she knows she's got to spend time with the Lord. And she says, it makes a difference in my day when I do, but I don't always do it. But this time, I know it's easy for me to say to you, spend time with the Lord, because I can do it. But even if you're busy, no matter how busy you are, you can take a little slot of time every day 
to, to, to come to the Lord, to, to talk to him and to ask him what he has in mind for you. Am I in the right place? Is this where I should be? Or should I make some changes? If you don't need to make any changes, thank the Lord. Someone wrote and, and said, I think that my life is exactly the way it should be and the way the Lord wants it to be, so I don't have to make any changes. And if that's where you are, be grateful. Be very thankful for that. Fortunately, not everybody is at that point, but we need to make sure that we try to discover God's will, and to do that, we've got to just start talking to him, and, and he won't let us down. That's, that, that's a fact. That's a given. You see, in John chapter 10, verse 10, the Lord Jesus says that he came to give us the abundant life. That's what he wants for us, here on earth too, the abundant life for Christians. And to live abundantly, someone told me, if we want to live abundantly as Jesus promises, then we somehow have to look at our talents. We have to ask those questions. Do I put first things first? Do I learn to say no? Do I know what's important? Do I know what the Lord wants? And then you see, life becomes fulfillment. Then our life comes fulfilled. It, it's been my experience that retired people who don't do anything, who get bored, become grumpy. And grumpy people start complaining. And we have no business complaining because even though Paul says the days are evil, we never had it so good. For us, for American Christians, Time has never been better because we have the freedom to preach, to speak. We can go out there and you can go to your neighbor. You can talk to them or help them and don't preach at them, but bring them something. There are so many ways that we can be used. That's the United States today. We have that freedom. And so I hope that every one of us doesn't just brush this off, doesn't go home feeling guilty, doesn't think that I've given you a set formula, but, but listen one more time to the text that Paul writes when he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you know what the master wants. And when you do, when you get to that point, you will be blessed and you will have a taste of the abundant life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for speaking to us. And some of us, or many of us, have heard a lot of sermons and and. They're not always very profound, and, and the way we say things, they don't always come off. But I'm just asking, Lord, that there will be something that we take with us that if we need to make changes, we'll do it. And we thank you. We thank you for opportunities and open doors and for the time that you allot to us. In Jesus' name, amen.